How did one agency owner create a successful referral-based long-term care specialty practice? And what tools and techniques are most effective in working with long-term care clients and prospects? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is sponsored by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions for benefit advisors. Local, regional, and national advisors rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects. For more information, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. In this episode, we're excited to welcome Toby Girard, who's the owner of Toby Girard Insurance. And Toby specializes in a topic that I'm surprised we haven't had an opportunity to chat about in previous podcasts, but it's more than time, and that's long-term care. So with that, Toby, welcome to the Shift Shapers podcast. Thanks so much, David. I'm very, very glad, very excited to be here with you folks today. We're happy to have you. A little bit about your background first, if you will. Sure. My background, I've been in the insurance business for 35 years, most of my career. I actually came in after getting a master's in library science as the director of the insurance library of Boston. And after being at the helm there for about three years, realized that I really enjoyed insurance and really wasn't all that happy with library work. So I shifted over to full-time working in the insurance business, which is where I've, I've spent the majority of my career. About 15 years ago, coming up on 15 years, I started my own agency, Toby Gerard Insurance, and decided to specialize exclusively in long-term care insurance at that point, mostly because myself, I'm a baby boomer. I was dealing with aging parents. I was watching the cost of care and how devastating it could be to an estate and just felt a passion towards making a difference for my own children, for my friends, colleagues, so that as we're all moving forward and we will probably need care, not really an if, but a when, that there would be a different plan in place than what we're all dealing with with our aging parents. So as you've said, your agency specializes in long-term care. Why specialized? What's the advantage? Why does it matter? Why is that important to you? Why specialize? Well, I think there's a shift in the, in the insurance business in general from the idea of being generalist to being specialist. But I think being specialist is really something that is happening in, in more and more industries because there's so much knowledge out there. And because there's a concern, I think, especially in the insurance industry about malpractice claims, I think you really want to focus on an area and know it well. If you try to be a generalist, being all things to all people, you certainly have a lot more exposure. There's a lot more risk that you're really not going to be as up to speed as you would like to be. But I think also when you specialize, people really remember you. They say, oh, you want to talk to her. She's the long-term care lady. Where if you don't really brand yourself, many times it's hard to refer a generalist because there are so many of them out there. It's very easy to say, you know, talk to Toby. She just does long-term care insurance. Well, and the other side of that is something that's interesting in your practice and in the industry in general. And, and that is that an awful lot of generalists who used to kind of build a moat around their practice are now reaching out and seeking out strategic partnerships with people such as yours. Is, is that how your practice runs? Is, is Are you mostly referral-based? And who are the people who refer you? 
we're actually 100% referral-based. I know there are a lot of other long-term care insurance people that are lead-based or, you know, if they're a career agent, again, they could tie into a lead system. My background is from an independent agency background. So I've always had the belief that one size doesn't fit all and that every client is unique. So you need to deliver a customized solution. So a referral-based practice allows you to work with a lot of different advisors, trusted advisors, who feel that you would be a trusted advisor that they could refer their client to. So most of those trusted advisors that refer their business to us are financial advisors, estate attorneys, in some cases, elder law attorneys. It could also be divorce attorneys. We do have other life accident health insurance agents. And in my case, because I spent a lot of time on the property casualty side of the fence, a lot of property casualty insurance agents. So we're 100% referral based. Did you start your practice with that kind of a motif in mind, or is it something that developed over time? I started my practice really not knowing where my business was going to come from, except that my background was property casualty. So I did know a tremendous amount of insurance agents on the property casualty side of the fence. It wasn't until I started really getting out there and meeting and greeting people that I started to realize that there were people in my professional world, just like I was in theirs, where there was a fit where we could refer clients back and forth. And it was really then that I started spending time developing an actual platform to strategically align myself with certain key trusted advisors. And that that has continued and I continue to add to that base on an ongoing basis. So it is something that you continue to build. It's not it's not just inbound now. How do you approach a financial advisor, for example, about you working on their long-term care for their clients? What, what's that conversation like? Well, I think at this point, most of the financial advisors that I know have been referred to me by other financial advisors or other estate attorneys or some other tangential professional. So I come in with a certain layer of credibility. If I do not know them at all, what I would probably do would be to send either an email or a letter first and just introduce myself, let them know some of the other professionals that I work with. I would recommend that they spend a little bit of time on the website, read some testimonials. But my biggest strength is seeing if I can get out there and meet with them in person. Just ask for 20 minutes of their time. The next time I'm going to be in the area, could I just stop in and introduce myself? I think the thing that sells me, if you will, is the fact that it's all I do is long-term care insurance. People say that again and again and again, I have no problem referring you because I know that's what you're going in to do. And if something else comes up in the conversation, you're going to bring in other professionals who you trust. So that's how we've shaped our practice completely is focus. And then it allows me, if a life insurance need is uncovered, then I'll bring in a colleague of mine that does life insurance. If someone needs retirement annuities, bring that in. If somebody says, what else do you sell? You know, I will generally have a conversation about, well, what else are you looking for? And then again, I can bring in other colleagues that I, that I trust to work with clients of mine. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about long-term care as a product. It's had kind of a, a decent length of history now. And it, some people might use the word tortured for that history. I know there were a lot of carriers that came in early, probably didn't really have a great grasp on how to price their products and just thought that it was a good market for grabbing. Give us from your perspective as an expert, a little bit of a history lesson on kind of how that's evolved. Okay. 
Well, I think the history of long-term care insurance, it's not a long history, like you say. I mean, it it certainly has had its infancy. It's gone through its toddlerhood. I think it's going into its more mature years. We're talking about a coverage that's only about four decades old. So if a company's been in the long-term care business for 20, 25 years, they've been in it a long time. We have some major players that have been in it from the beginning. And like you you know, just said, David, there's been a shift, a significant shift. We had companies that came into it initially, didn't really know how to price the product because we didn't really understand the risk back then, the mortality risk, the frequency and severity of claims. So the product was priced inappropriately too low. We didn't really understand what the lapse ratio was going to be. And then, you know, significant concerns in 2000 and then 2008 again, where we had some financial concerns. So on top of everything else, insurance companies then were not getting the return on their investment that they had hoped. So it was a troubled history. I think the good news is today, especially people who are looking at it today for the first time, the product is more expensive. And that's not completely a bad thing because most of the rate increases, the aggressive rate increases that people have heard about, I think the majority of those have come or, or will be coming you know, very shortly. But now the product seems to be priced very, very well, very, very fairly. And we are hoping, and the insurance companies are telling us, that going forward, we shouldn't be seeing the kind of aggressive rate increases that we've seen in the past. So it's a very important product. You know, I think in the, in the world of the risk of long-term care, I, I usually say to people, everything in insurance, you know, there's a lot of risks we can choose to insure. Which ones people select is very, very individualized. I think we all know if we have an auto, we insure it. We have a home, we insure it. If we have a business, we have workers' comp and BOPs and things like that. But the risk of long-term care and whether or not you choose to insure that is one of those options. And it's kind of like life insurance. Do you roll the dice or do you insure it? So, you know, the history, I would say, is a bit troubled. But just like with a child growing through its stages, I really do believe we're in the mature stage now. I believe we've got some solid companies writing this coverage. Don't really see any new players getting in, but we're hearing you know, more about one or two that might. So I'm very, very confident going forward about this marketplace. And now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions for benefit advisors. Do you want to find prospects in your area without having to make cold calls, but with a warm introduction from a network relationship or the prospect's accounting firm? How about finding companies that are out of compliance on their Form 5500 filing? What if you could find prospects that are paying more than standard compensation for their products and services? MyEdge makes it easy to create a pipeline of only qualified leads, and you'll set yourself apart from the crowd when you know how to build a targeted value-add strategy for companies you want to work with. Clients and prospects always appreciate it when their benefit advisors take the time to understand their employee benefits before they meet. Don't act and sound like everyone else. Use MyEdge and get the ultimate unfair advantage. To learn more about this innovative prospecting solution, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. Interestingly enough, in the subject of new players getting in, there's been an awful lot of discussion lately about life policies with long-term care riders. What's your opinion about that and how does that fit in, in the planning matrix or does it? It's a good question. You know, the risk of long-term care can really be funded with a few different financial products. You know, you've got the standalone traditional long-term care insurance. You've got what we know now more as the linked benefit product, which is really 
it's life insurance with long-term care included, but it's really, you know, structured on a life insurance chassis, but more of a long-term care insurance sale. And then more and more now you're seeing companies get into uh, life insurance more with a long-term care rider. I think all of these products have have a fit. But when you're doing your needs analysis with the client, a lot of it really comes down to what they're looking for. You know, I say to people, if you want to get something back, traditional standalone long-term care insurance is not going to give you something back. You know, if you are looking to get something back, then you're going to be going into more of the the hybrid products, whether it's, you know, the life with the long-term care rider, the linked benefit product. If you are really looking for typical insurance where you pay a premium and you have the peace of mind going forward that that risk is protected to some degree, then traditional standalone long-term care insurance is the way the majority of people are going to go. But we are seeing more and more growth in the hybrid product area. And I think it is coming out of the desire to get something back. Also, when you are dealing with the other products that are not traditional long-term care insurance, you don't have to worry about rate increases. And that, you know, that is something that many consumers want to take off the table. I don't want to deal with rate increases and I want to get something back. That's the profile of someone that would probably not be the best fit for traditional long-term care insurance. So we're kind of, you know, we're shifting and shaping, so to speak, based upon what the client is telling us their needs are. With all the different needs, with all the different products in the marketplace, how, and I know this is a problem that I've heard from friends and and other advisors, how do you keep from becoming a quote machine? Well, I think you have to, you have to start off from the very, very beginning, letting those trusted advisors know that you're not going to be a quote machine. I know for us, we look at a referral as a relationship. And when I get that phone call or that email, I talk to the people and I let them know what our process is. And our process really starts with preliminary pre-qualifying medically. There's no point in putting out numbers, so to speak, and then finding out after the fact that someone's uninsurable. So I think if you don't control the process, I mean, we think of other professionals, they control the process. When you go to your doctor, your attorney, your accountant, I look at this as this is my business and I need to control the process. And the process starts with medical prequalification. It doesn't start with putting out numbers. And more and more people are not in the best of health. There are a lot of people out there who are young and they're uninsurable already. So you really want to find out before you put out numbers, you want to make sure you've got insurable people. And then you want to figure out which companies are going to be the best fit for those people based upon their age, their marital or partner status, their gender, their health. There's no one size fits all. So we have to keep going back to that. So, you know, being a quote machine, that's really not building a relationship. In the process of determining medical eligibility and kind of taking a broader fact finder, do you oftentimes find that you uncover the need for other coverages? You alluded to that earlier in your process of working with advisors. As far as it's not usually at that stage that I uncover it. it. Normally, when we deliver policies at the end of the process, We will always say to people, you know, are you happy with all of the other professionals in your life? You know, your your life insurance agent, your property casualty agent, your accountant, your estate attorney, your financial advisor. And, you know, if they mentioned to us that, you know, they're they're not happy with a particular professional, you know, we would certainly say, you know, we work with a number of trusted advisors. And if at any time we can provide you with a short list, we would be happy to do that. So I always use that as an entree. A lot of the time people are very, very satisfied. And many times, you know, we're, we're sitting with them and talking with them because we were referred to them, you know, by their financial advisor. But I do find 
Not so much that I get the request for a financial advisor. I'm oftentimes asked to refer, you know, an attorney. That That is an area that we find people many times don't know how to go about it. They don't really know who's a specialist and who's a generalist. And I think just like with long-term care insurance, if you're going to be working on your estate, you don't want to be going to a generalist who can, you know, also handle the closing on your house you know, as well as your divorce and, you know, and your estate plan. You want to go to someone who's who's a specialist. So we work with a lot of specialists when it comes to estate attorneys. And myself, I have a short list of people that I refer again and again and again. I know, Toby, that, that in some of your media appearances and in some of your writings, you refer to, it's a great phrase, invisible coverages. What does that mean? Invisible coverages, yes. Well, I believe that there are some coverages that the consumer just readily sees, so to speak, because they have a tangible product in front of them. So when we talk about, as we mentioned earlier, you know, an automobile, that's not an invisible coverage. Automobile insurance, everybody knows you have to have it. They may not know the exact ins and outs of the policy, but it's a very visible risk. It's a visible coverage. Same thing with homeowners. No one would really ever chance having perils, you know, attack their house, so to speak, without having homeowners insurance. I think what I talk about with invisible coverage is if they're real peace of mind coverages, they're things you don't see. They are coverages that when you deal with people who are planners, people who really have a punch list that they want to go down and put things in place, the people that are the planners are the people that have the invisible coverages. And generally, you're talking about life insurance, you could be talking about disability insurance, you know, you would be talking about long-term care insurance. These are risks that we don't readily see. There's nothing tangible in front of us. So it is invisible in that sense, and yet extremely important. And sometimes the sad thing is you find out how important when you meet with a couple like I did recently, and we were talking, they were both in excellent health, 59 years old. And they said, you know, they would circle back with me after their daughter's wedding And I hadn't heard from them. It was about six months. So I kind of put out a little tickler by email and then another tickler. And then the wife called a few weeks later and she said, I'm going to ask the question and I pretty much know the answer, but my husband was diagnosed with stage four, blah, 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 assuming now he's uninsurable. So invisible coverage, absolutely. It became a very, very visible issue for them because now he is uninsurable. And the reality is a lot of times with stage four, kinds of cancers, if they've metastasized and spread, there's really nothing we can do going forward. So just because something's invisible doesn't mean that the risk isn't very real. And sometimes people only realize it when they themselves or their spouse or loved one becomes uninsurable. And it's a great conversation. I presume that that's something that you use in your opener in your conversation with prospects. I always try to use stories because I think I can shape a conversation around a story and they can hear it better. So I will always want to hear their story. That's the first thing when I sit down and meet with people in person or talk to them on the phone, I'll always say to them, please tell me how we got to the point that we're having this conversation. You know, just kind of back up the bus a little bit and let's talk about what was the conversation with your trusted advisor that is making you and I have this conversation. And generally speaking, they're going to tell me a story about one of their parents or both of their parents and the need for care and the fact that maybe the parent did have a policy and the policy paid. Maybe the parent didn't have a policy and they went through a significant portion of their children's legacy. So the stories are great from both sides. The stories allow them to tell me why why we're having a conversation and why I'm there or why we're on the phone. 
And it also gives me an entree to share some stories that have gotten people to move off the mark and make a decision. And it's a great opener, no question about it. And I, I, I like that. I think the listeners will like that as well. Toby, in the, in the minute or two that we have left, where do you see the future, both in terms of need, product, whatever, both long-term and kind of short-term? Where do you see the long-term care industry going? For me, having gone through, you know, as I said earlier, you know, the, the infancy, the terrible twos, and now getting into the mature stage, I'm really excited about this product. I think the negativity is going to go away. It's going to pale in comparison to what we're going to be seeing going forward, both in traditional standalone as well as in the hybrid products. You know, the need for care is great. That is not going away. We are living longer. And, you know, there's a cliche expression, the longer you live, the longer you live. You live to 89, you live to 91, you live to 91, you live to 95. You know, it's not a question anymore if we're going to need care. It's probably more so when we're going to need care. So there's not a lot of choices out there. You can either be very, very poor and qualify for, you know, Medicaid in your state, or you can be super, super wealthy. And that's a blessing. But for those of us in the middle, the need for care is great, and we have to figure out how we're going to finance it, how we're going to fund it. So I think it's a very, very exciting time, and I'm looking forward to it and just wish I have many, many good years of good health to keep going. Toby, thanks so much for a fascinating discussion about long-term care. We appreciate you taking time and sharing it with the Shift Shapers audience. Thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure, and uh, look forward to talking with you again. For more information about this episode or about any of our earlier episodes and to learn how to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. While you're on the site, leave a comment and register to be part of the Shapers community. You'll be the first to learn about upcoming specials like exclusive webinars and content you can use to take your business to the next level. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode and remember, You have the power to shape the shifts in your business.